Welcome to the Across the Spoilerverse podcast. I'm your host, Paul, aka Kevin Spoilers, joined once more by Greg from Real Rejects. Greg, it's been an absolutely crazy weekend. I yes. think Martin Scorsese, he was both right and wrong about Marvel at one point this yeah. weekend. Uh, I don't I don't think I've been called a, an MCU hater or an MCU shill this much as I have been this entire weekend. It's been an absolute nightmare. Uh, but how, how's it been for you, Greg? It's pleasant as hell, Paul. <laughs> I'm having a great week, man. <laughs> yeah. What an insane weekend. I don't think I've ever seen so much of how the MCU is saved and how the MCU is dead both in like one day. One just yeah. took two releases to get the conversation on both going. And yeah, I did a live. I'm excited to talk more about the Marvels yet again. Man, the discourse on this has been very very rough very rough to deal yeah. to interact with is kind of what i'm talking about but well i i did a tweet today saying the the mcu is basically schrodinger's mcu in that it's both in a state of being alive and dead and it's only upon being observed that one can decide and even making a joke about that i got backlash from people greg i had to block someone because they were they were call, calling me names and stuff and it just, i don't like blocking people and i rarely ever do it but it was getting to that point where i just couldn't be bothered People not even reading subtext. And unfortunately, I think there's been a lot of that this weekend. You know, whenever anyone's put their opinion out about something, you're going to get lumped in with either being a hater or a shill. And yeah, it's been insane to talk about. But we've got a pretty, we're going to try and tackle it with some nuance, guys. And we've got a, a very stacked get show. That. So we're going to be talking, we're going to be talking about Loki. Um, first off, I want to start the show off with a nice, nice positive thing. Um, and brand new breaking news that apparently Jonathan Majors is out as Kang. We're then going to talk about some Marvel delays and then why the Marvels bombed. So, you know, we're going yeah. from nice, going through all the, the dynamics of what being a Marvel fan is like. Um, I've put together lots of different reasons that I've been thinking about over the weekend. Um, and personally, I think it's just, you know, death by a thousand cuts. I don't think there's one overriding reason, but I think there's several reasons to why not everything went as well as it could have gone. And um, we're then going to follow that up with a Rebel Moon trailer. The Coyote versus Acme, big scandal thing. And lastly, end on a positive note in that the strikes are now over. So yeah, strikes lots of stuff to talk about. Let's just get into Loki, Greg. How are you feeling hold about on, that? Paul, Paul hold okay. on. There's a note here that says you are away next week. What are you talking about? Yeah, so next week I'm going on holiday. Um, I was going to ask you if you wanted to record it another night, but just in case we don't get a chance to do that, if the podcast isn't out next week, we've probably been killed by a Marvel hater or a Marvel shill and they've covered it up and made it look like we're away. So if I'm not back in two weeks, call the police. Okay, we'll figure it okay. out. Well, I'm supposed to be gone yeah. for a couple of days too, so it might just work in my favor. And honestly, me leaving, my whole stress was based off of, is Paul going to be mad at me if we can't record since he does more work for this podcast than I do? So it might, no. it might just bring me some relief. So yeah. All right, yeah. man. I'm, you asked I'm me excited. what I thought about Loki season two? I thought it was beautiful. It was grandiose, epic, uh, moving. Uh, it cements itself as my favorite Disney plus Marvel series. And you know, it was like Loki, then WandaVision for sure. And an and ending that, you know, some people predicted it might go down that way, but I, it's more of the, the I mean, you could kind of say the same thing about the criticism for the Marvels, but in the opposite direction it's the like I, I know you had some theories for how it would go down it seemed to go down the path of those theories but it's the manner in which the matter is executed you know 
And I think the way they went about it actually unfolded in ways that I didn't ultimately expect it to. Uh, but yeah, it was just epic and so moving. And talk about, it's, it's so great that Tom Hiddleston can have two separate Lokis, the one that was in the movies and the one in the show, and have two character arcs for them. And then just to cement himself as just one of the greatest performances in all of the MCU. I, I think yeah. I think any little criticisms I had about Loki season two as well along the journey, I thought got alleviated by the end too. You know, I, I thought it was so, I thought it was grand. And congratulations on the success of your breakdowns for it, man. Your videos were killing. Oh, thank you. You too. You had a very stressful time, I know, because you were getting copyright strikes and stuff. But it, I mean, overall, we've done pretty well out of it, and I've enjoyed covering it. Um, I actually went back and rewatched season two because what had happened is I'd watched the first two episodes with my wife, um, mm. and then we we both kind of just went off and did our own thing. So I just kept watching it, obviously for my job, whereas she didn't get to see it. So I went back and watched it with her, and there's actually an insane amount of foreshadowing in it once you know the ending. Um, like random trees popping up, for example, the one in the McDonald's in the 80s. Um, if you look at when Victor Timely's on stage during the, the 1800s, it, the background of him on the stage, that's loads of different trees and stuff. And yeah. there's so many different lines in it. Um, Ravona at one point, she talks about, says something like, Mobius, I kept this thing going because I could do the things that you didn't have to. And obviously later we find out she was willing to kill children and stuff. And yeah, there's uh, watching the season for a second time. It's absolutely incredible. And I'm going to milk, going to milk the crap out of it this week with videos. Um, as I say, I'm away next week. So I'm just, I'm just talking about things I love. Um, but brilliant, really, really good. And just the amount of things that kind of tie back to the MCU, I kind of see it almost in the same way that, um, Endgame kind of capitalized on lots of different lines laced throughout the, the MCU. When you go back and watch things that Loki said throughout the saga, pretty much every single property that he's been in, at some point he's mentioned a chair or a throne, or even mm -hmm. his first one of his first lines in the Avengers film is him basically saying, it's my burden to carry this glorious purpose. And for them to yeah. pull that all together for this finale, fantastic work, just seeing him sitting on the throne carrying the burden going from someone who in the avengers was very much against free will and he wanted to take everyone's freedom away and mind control them and stuff to now being this person who's given everyone free will holding the multiverse together brilliant i really really can't overstate how good i thought that it was and even better on a second watch and it kind of shows you know it's it this is the reason why we fell in love with marvel these kind of stories where they take these heroes on incredible arcs. You know, well, Loki was a villain in the first place anyway, but for him to, to go on this arc, brilliant. Um, Tom Hiddleston knocked it out of the park. And yeah, just everything that I wanted from this show and above that, yeah. to be honest, I wasn't expecting it. I think we've had so many Marvel projects that the final episode's kind of been where the show almost falls flat. There's, there's very few brilliant final episodes in the Disney Plus MCU series. But this just went insane um, and, yeah, loved it. Really, really what, enjoyed it. What I think is really cool about the way this season went down as well, you know, a lot of people I've been seeing, on, especially on social media, have been going like the, the, the Loki arc over the Iron Man arc. And it, it's an interesting thing to kind of compare because Iron Man was one that they improv they sort of improvised it as the phases went along, you know? They didn't plan, like, from the second the first Iron Man came out how they were going 
to have Tony Stark exit the MCU and what his ultimate sacrifice will be that would tie in for a great character arc for him throughout the phases. Uh, I really love the arc that he has, but, you know, they didn't even think about Thanos until there was a post credit scene that seemed to click with people in Avengers. Like, hey, maybe we should actually follow through with this, you know? And with Loki season two, what's really interesting to me is how it was only till recently, uh, post, like during the writer's strike and all that, how they decided, you know, we should get a showrunner in here to really map yeah. out things and such. And this really felt like they had a showrunner because there was such a clear vision where they could really, they could really map out what Loki's arc would be for season two. I think it's great how in the beginning, something that I was nitpicky about, admittedly, was I was feeling like I was missing out a bit on some of Loki's mischievous personality. Not that I needed him to go like full mischievous or anything like that. It it, it just he just seems to like kind of serious. But then by the time yeah. we got to the ending episode, I thought it just served the story that much better, the the way how his entire portrayal went down in season two, because at the beginning of this season, he's just a full-blown TVA agent with powers, basically, is who he is. And he's so much more in touch with humanity at that point. Like, he feels more human at the start of season two than any other time we've ever hung out with Loki. He's not really using his powers. He really cares about his human companions. And then for him to become the, the leader who's going to just look after everyone, you needed that type of human touch. And to think about the trajectory from season one of how it's just been this deconstruction to how he goes from, you know, um, God of Mischief to God of Stories, the arc to that feels completely natural. It felt earned. It didn't just feel like they had to do it. Like you really stripped down Loki to his core. And I think the way they paced the show with its unique style where a lot of people, like myself included, I don't know how far you got into Doctor Who, but this this last episode, especially reminded me of a very popular Peter Capaldi episode of Doctor Who, where he does have to keep, he's around for like a million years or something like that. He has to keep reliving it and learning and, and he keeps dying every time. And I thought that by the time we got to this, this ending point for Loki, everything just felt really earned. And not only that, they, they also had some great, it kind of felt like an independent movie, that kind of bitter, yeah. melancholic tone that it had for, the, the, like that ethereal type of music that was playing over as they were montaging around between Mobius and the choice that he makes. And then even with Ravona, I saw your video. Uh, I, th I thought uh, on my live stream, I was like referencing some things that you were pointing out in your video. Uh, I watched it. About like Ravona with, with possibly not seeing Elias, but seeing Kang at the end of time. I thought that was a really great call. But even that, just like the way they leaned on mood and tone and pacing was... It, it was quite beautiful. And, and on top of that, too, the visual effects were were incredibly like they, they were something to behold. I was in awe yeah. of it. I'll kiss was... this show's ass all day long. I thought it was excellent. Yeah. I didn't really think there were any flaws in the, the CGI. Um, I, I thought the character arcs were brilliant. I thought the acting was brilliant. There was very Music. little that I could <laughs> criticize it for. You know, watching it again, there's some slightly slower paced part of the season, but nitpicking um i think if you're watching it week to week how we we had it, it it works brilliantly um but even on a binge it's still really strong and it's nice mm -hmm. to see the mcu taking themselves seriously um the way they end it as well you know we know that kang it was meant to be coming down the line but the way they ended it i feel like they could 
kind of brush him off to the side if needs be yeah. and, and just be like, yeah, we're just keeping an eye on him. Um, how's the trial going with Jonathan Majors? Just on a, a t- totally different, unrelated tangent. Like, oh, he's in, he's still in trial. Like, okay, well, we're just keeping an eye on him over here. Then we'll just keep keeping an eye. And then if he gets found innocent, they're like, oh no, the, the Loki couldn't hold things together. But if he's found right. guilty, then they're going to be like, we're just still keeping keeping an eye on Kang. Uh, but that, that kind of takes us into our Majors was great, man. Uh, all, all things yeah. said, he was great in it. So if this is his last appearance, then all right. He was he was excellent in in, in it. I, I loved his return as he who remains. Yeah. He, he gave a different side yeah. to him. I thought it was great. Just the twist in that scene as well, where you realize he's been through it before and he kind of knows exactly what's coming and that yeah. this is just part of the loop. Very, very nice awesome. twist in it. But um yeah, speaking of Jonathan Majors as Kang, according to uh the podcast, I just listened to this to make sure that it was exactly what they're saying. Um sure. because you know how they can kind of run away with stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, so the the House of R, the Ringiverse podcast, um, they basically did a Loki season two, episode six deep dive. Um, I think it was, and at the one or the two hour fifty eight mark, um, they basically talk about how, from what they've heard, Jeff Loveness was told by Marvel Studios that they're likely moving away from the Kang storyline, which is why he was no longer writing Avengers Kang Dynasty. Um, so that that's just as we're recording this, this literally dropped ten minutes before I, I hit record. So it's quite a new story. It's developing quickly. Just skip to that time code because um, it was posted on Reddit to make sure that that was definitely what was said. Um, there are outlets kind of running with with it as being an official announcement. That's fact. Um, but Jeff Loveness hasn't out and out said it himself. It's coming through through um, Jonah Robinson on the podcast, I believe. Um, so. Got it. We'll have to see, but it's it's kind of you know it may. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with that. Personally, I mean, I, I'm still very much of the mind state that this trial isn't black and white, and I, they've been holding off for a, for a long time and haven't made a statement, even you know when things developed and Loki was coming out and stuff. So, um, we'll see what happens, but I, I still believe innocent until proven guilty, and that they should wait off until there's a verdict and not just fire the guy and get rid of him um but in the same breath i can understand why they're having to do this because it's such a big risk to to wait it out and see how this whole thing goes when you're building towards big phase i really think though i don't know i i imagine this is not a popular opinion i know that some people do share this opinion i'm just saying i don't know if it's the majority if he is found guilty and they ultimately have to fire jonathan majors I am not opposed to recasting Kang. You know, we've yeah. built, we've had so many of the stories that are specifically building up to some type of ultimate Kang showdown with the Avengers. There's just been too many of that sort of laced throughout. And when, and when there's so much debate about what is the direction of this multiverse saga, and it, it, it just seems like it'd be odd to completely just drop it while while your exit plan can happen via what happens in Loki season two, sure. I still think that you can kind of stick to the plan a little bit and just recast him if if you need to. I'm not saying do it pre outcome of trial. I'm saying if he's found guilty, yeah. then consider it. I don't think you need to completely eliminate it. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um, but I I also wonder if Marvel kind of feel like they they fumbled the ball a bit with 
how they handled Kang in the beginning because let's be honest, there's, there's not that respect there that there was for someone like a, a Thanos or something. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not that fear when you're approaching a Kang. It's kind of like he's a crazy whack who we're going to see this week who's going to get killed off. And I think they, you know, the the Council of Kangs, that whole post credit scene was kind of. I personally didn't like the tone of it. I thought it was almost like, I remember nope. you saying it was like an SNL sketch, and I felt that as well. I, I thought Ant-Man beating that Kang w- was difficult, um, but I can totally see what, basically, guys, in case you don't know, the rumors behind the scenes were that Jonathan Majors and Kang weren't meant to be the big thing that they were all building towards, but the behind the scenes, everyone was so blown away by him on Loki season one and the finale that they thought, oh, Jesus, we've found him, we've got the next big, big villain of the phase so they kind of lean yeah. into that obviously well, they they must be regretting it well i think what the movies need to demonstrate because a lot of times people come down to the defense of quantumania the choice like he's not about the strength though he's not like thanos and I'm, like, I'm aware i'm fully aware that that is the point however that's what the loki show leaned into on both appearances by he who remains you know, they're very, he gives a different shade to He Who Remains at the end of season one and at the end of season two when you compare the performances uh, as that same variant. What makes that version of He Who Remains so scary is that, A, there's no fear in him. He is in such control, and he's hyper, hyper intelligent. And that's what needs to be demonstrated. Not even Quantumania really showcases that. As great of a, as much as he's the scene stealer, as much as he brings like an aura to his performance, like the the menace and those like the the best scenes are with him, the hyper intelligence and the 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 foresight (laughs) that he has is the is the thing that makes Kang truly threatening. Where he can outwit a Thanos, he might not be able to outpower a Thanos, but he can outwit him and out strategize him. And that's what the movies need to show. And maybe not enough people are watching the Loki show. I have no idea. But it, it really comes across when Jonathan Majors is specifically portraying he who remains. And that's what I think what we need is like a prime king. Some, some type of king to really zero in on is while there's a bunch of variants, there's this one very specific one that we have to fear. You know, yeah, uh, no, it's very strange. I mean, obviously, the movie's not even going to release until probably another four years because moving on to our next topic we've had lots of different delays with Wait. marvel so yeah big delays um some are saying because of the strike personally I, I think there's other reasons but deadpool 3 will now release on july 26 2024 captain bad. america 4 will release february 14th 2025 thunderbolts will release july 25th 2025 Blade will release November 7, 2025, and I'm sure there's another MCU movie in that year. The year is going to be stacked, um, 2025. Next year, though, we're only getting the one MCU movie, which I'm actually grateful of. I think, you know, Smart. Deadpool 3, just build up to it like it's a massive, massive event. Hub- Hubert Jackman, he's back, baby. Um, Patrick Stewart, probably back. Beast, CGI Beast. Coming CGI back from the certain post credit scenes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that's a good way to take things. We have heard that there were was a test screening of Captain America 4. Apparently, it was terrible. Um, and they've just realized, oh, we need four months of reshoots. Obviously, Marvel always build reshoots into their, their production schedule anyway. But for it to get delayed almost an entire year, I believe, 
that's insane. Um, but it just goes to show, you know, I think Marvel have kind of hit a point where they're like, crap, we need to reevaluate what the hell we're doing because their audience numbers are dropping off quick. And this weekend's been a big, big prover of that. Um, so I, do you think this is a good move to delay everything or are you annoyed, Greg? You're like, I need that sweet Marvel stuff. I think it's a great minute. We have to get back to a point where we miss Marvel. And if Deadpool three sticks, the landing, if it's great and it makes all of us want more, they got to let us, the audience really marinate in that feeling of wanting. <laughs> and so you got to have yeah. Deadpool. It's like, I'm really looking forward to, I was thinking about the franchises. I'm really looking forward to Spider-Man four, because even though we've had other Spider-Man properties, like the Across the Spider-Verse films and then the Spider-Man games. It's been a while since No Way Home, you know, like it, all things considered. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a while since No Way Home. And the fact that they haven't even started shooting it yet is not a cause for concern because by the time we actually get that first trailer, it's going to be exciting that Spider-Man is back on the big screen again after No Way Home. So if Deadpool 3 can be some type of indicator of that, where that comes out and then it makes us like oh we're we're in love with it because yeah marvel constantly flip-flops between mcu is dead to mcu is saved constantly and the point is to just let us simmer with that feeling like i know there's some shows that are still coming out captain america 4 i really do feel like they got to get down right that was a film that has been set up since avengers endgame we did get falcon and winter soldier and there's a lot of writing on that you know a lot of people still are like when is steve rogers gonna come back is chris evans gonna come back the Marvel's trailer even was showing us Steve Rogers all over again, the final one. And I, there's a lot riding on Captain America for specifically, I think. And I'm, I'm really well, yeah. rooting for that. There's, I'm really rooting yeah, I mean, for that because Anthony Mackie has to prove himself worthy of the, of the mantle on the big screen. And he's got a lot to go up against because he's, he's going to be getting compared to Chris Evans and he has a very different type of character. So I really want it to be good. Uh, I, I'm 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 nervous about the reception. I was gonna say he was the first recast from like the the older, you know, the older Avengers. I mean, he right. sort of is, but, but then Shuri kind of took over Black Panther. Obviously, that that's different circumstances. But this is the first one where they purposely built an actor into it. So obviously, you know, there's going to yeah. be comparisons. Um, it, it, I'm rooting for a, it. I, I, I got a question for you. Do you, mm -hmm. How do you feel about the Blade release date being one week after Halloween? I'm just realizing that right now. Yeah, that's a bit strange because you would think they would try and get it in the week beforehand. I mean, we've just seen with Five Nights at Freddy's how that weekend before Halloween, you kind of get your big thing and then it all builds up towards Halloween. And strange. I mean, I personally don't even think it's going to hit that release date. You know, I think it's going to be one of those films that's just constantly in development hell. And uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if it even hits that, to be honest. I mean, they've put that got released, uh, got announced four years ago, I think it was. Um, and for it to be now, yeah, coming as the last film in 2025, when it was announced, and it's been worked on that long ago, it's kind of uh, so yeah, we're, we're going to see. Personally, I, I'll be surprised if it hits it. It's also not, it doesn't feel like it's um, imperative to what's coming down the line, if that makes sense. For example, yeah. when we know what we're building towards now, you know, the X-Men and Secret Wars and stuff like that. Um, but this doesn't feel like it necessarily needs to be released in order to tie into those stories almost. It, mm. It's kind of like it's a it's a side project in the MCU where, you know, if it comes out before Secret Wars, great. If it comes out after, it's not really going to change it 
that sort of Good thing. Point. Um, How do you feel about Fantastic Four not being on here? Yeah, that's really strange as well. I mean, that sounds like it's a complete mess too. The, the, I thought the casting of that was going to get announced as soon as the strike lifted, but apparently, from what I've heard, there's lots of people behind the scenes who are turning down the role of Reed Richards. We've heard that they're going in a direction with Sue Richards, and from what I've been told is that the the male actors who've been sold or Reed Richards is going to be a big part of the film they've realized that it's not necessarily a massive part and it's not what they're being sold when they read the script. They're kind of like, well, Reed Richards is in this, but he's not a big part of it. So we're going to be tied into this thing. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. Really? You look very confused. Yeah, that's what I heard. Well, it's obviously going to be, we, we've heard all the rumors about it being focused on Sue Richards and I, I heard, her I heard perspective. That would, yeah. I heard that she, it would be more, she's the lead. For Reed Richards to not really be a part. I mean, it's fourth, <laughs> so you need. Yeah, I mean, it should be. Yeah, it should be. be a yeah. Um, yeah, but that, that was what I was told. It was very Sue heavy. So the, the male actors are kind of like, oh, so it's fantastic. Because when they get told that they're in the running for Fantastic Four, they're like, I'm Reed Richards. I'm going to be the main character in an MCU movie. And then they get given the script and they're like, oh, maybe I'm not in it that much. Mm. So yeah, we're, we're going to see. Um, but very very strange times you you never know how marvel are going to react to stuff i hope they don't learn the wrong lessons from this week's weekend box office with the marvels but i feel like they will um but yeah there's lots of different reasons why it's bombed which takes us into our next segment greg i'm going to try and go through this with as much nuance as i can because it's been so difficult talking about this thing even making you know, you know what what you know what it was, Greg, and I said this to you yesterday. The Loki finale were had such a high. Marvel had so many positive headlines that were gonna be coming their way because of how good that finale was. And for whatever reason, they decided to release the Marvels on the exact same day as it. And since then, all the discourse, all the headlines on Twitter have been dominated by lots of negativity, lots of arguing. And I feel bad for Loki because it's just taken away all the publicity from that. And there's just so many people discussing the Marvel's box office. And I feel I genuinely read some of the, the arguments and think people are going a bit insane from it. Just so tribalistic over it. And look, mate, I'm going to be honest with you. If, you. if you feel personally offended by the way a movie performs at a box office or someone's criticism of it, you know... Just just self-reflect. I know this movies like this, you know, there are people who are really invested in it because it means a lot to certain people. For example, Definitely. it's like if you're a woman or if you're a person of color and you feel like, oh, we're finally getting a big film for us, it, it's it's going to hurt a bit more seeing that flop. Um, but, you know, if people are giving criticisms about it, then maybe just don't attack them or go after them. The, there's a yeah. po- toxic positivity thing that Sean Chandler talked about where he said there's a lot of toxic negativity where people hate on it and over hate on it. And then there's a toxic positivity thing where you love something so much that anyone who says any criticism about it just gets attacked and you just want to yeah. kill them and say you hate them. And yeah. attacking that. So an opinion a- is not the same as attacking a person over it. Yeah. You know? I mean, you can argue with me why you think the movie was brilliant and I'll be like, oh, well, I'll be honest with you, Greg. Um, I've watched it twice now. I Did it get actually, better the second time? I, I, 
uh, it was about the same. I genuinely felt about the same. I, I had a few more problems with the structure of it um, and the inconsistencies with the powers because I was like, well, how's Kamala using all of her powers at this point? And it's still, and I know they say in the movie, guys, before you jump in the comments, I know they say, I know they say, like, don't, you have to use it to a certain point and then it switches. But she, she was literally going, building up force fields around her and everything and running on top of them and stuff. Um, I don't want to get too much into it because I've kind of talked it to death at this point. Um, sure. But I feel the Rotten Tomatoes score of 60%. I would score it about a 6 out of 10, I think, mm-hmm. after a second watch. Um, I okay. think there is, I think there's a, a, a man, Villani, I think is brilliant in the film. I think she really carries it. Um, I, you know, people are saying it's fun. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I just think where it's let down is story structure. and Yeah the lack of a compelling villain and just general missed points that they could have made. It feels like a very superficial surface level thing. And one of my big hangups that I had over the weekend was uh, the way I think they should have went with the film is that you have Captain Marvel, who's the annihilator. She completely destroyed a planet society. She's basically Captain Genocide. What, whoa, what crazy evil person she could be seen as. And then you jump to her, number one fan biggest fan in the world and i thought it would be great to do a comment on stan culture and show how blinded people can be by worshiping certain idols and what they build them up in their head to be and though they have that one line where carol's like we can't save them all it's very surface level stuff and i think they should have really dialed in deep to what carol's you know kamala's worship of carol was like and why you shouldn't yeah. necessarily just follow someone because you like what they stand for and what they look like and you feel common ground with them you mind if i inter- interrupt your opinion with a quick little insert here is that what i think you're saying right now is not something that you were thinking the movie should do before you watched it what i'm gathering from what you're saying is that the movie presented it's like you and i have not talked about what what you're talking about right now you and i have not talked about this ever and what you're and i feel like a lot of times when someone presents something like that people go well you should just take it for what it is not what you wanted it to be the movie itself is presenting those things and then it rushes past them and it drops the ball on them it it just it's it suddenly becomes disinterested in it (laughs) and like the the actual heart and the conversation it's setting up and then from knowing someone needed to cause, like, I, I mean, I primarily only really re- only like know Candyman, but knowing her involvement with that, which wanted to have conversations and decided to kind of ruminate in some of the deeper thoughts and stuff. Not that this movie needs to be a deep experience of sorts. I, I think everything you are saying that you, you think it could have done is because the movie itself was setting it up. The movie itself was going look at this story we're about to, uh, never mind, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like that, that's what you're saying before someone just comes in and says, yeah. And I mean, look, every, every single person on earth, you guys know for a fact that you, there'll be some movie out there that no one else enjoys that. You're just like, I turn my brain off for it. Sit back, enjoy it. I love mm-hmm. it. It's such a good time. Um, but you can't expect every single person to like that. And I know you guys don't expect every single person to like that. Um, yeah. But that, that's why I'm not being too harsh on people who are like, oh, I had fun with it. I enjoyed it. It's like, don't need to be. yeah, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know, I would much prefer people to enjoy Marvel movies and want to talk about them. Um, but for me, just 
lacked in some certain areas. Um, and I don't want to rail on it too hard. Uh, but th there's just lots of reasons that I've compiled that we're going to go through bit by bit and talk about certain aspects that I believe are the reason that maybe it underperformed, yeah. certain ways that Marvel can maybe take this on board and go forward in a brand new direction. Now, whenever I've seen people talking about it bombing, the first the first point that comes up is that there were strikes on at this time. Um, and I really hope that Marvel aren't sitting in the offices right now going, oh, well, only bomb because of strikes, because I think there's a lot more going on to that. I think that makes up a, a tiny little bit of it. I, I really do. I don't think... I think Marvel's been around for 15 years now, and for those 15 years, they've absolutely dominated the industry. To have a Marvel movie called The Marvels, that should do enough, and I feel like everyone was aware of this film that was coming out. You know, we saw the trailers... We knew about the cast. You know, Captain Marvel was in a billion-dollar film. She's been in The Avengers, Endgame, um, yeah. popped up in Shang-Chi, the What If episode I constantly bring up with you, Greg. Um, I, I feel that the public consciousness was aware that this movie was coming out, and I, I don't necessarily think that an appearance on Hot Wings would have boosted this by hundreds of millions of dollars now let's say but yeah that would have been a good episode though you know that would have been a good episode <laughs> it would have, have it would have helped with some publicity but would yeah. people have then translated that to to going out and buying tickets i think Doubt best it. best case scenario let's say that adds 20 percent of the box office you're still looking oh at a movie that underperforms because that yeah. even that amount um, we haven't actually gone over the figures yet, so it did forty-seven million domestically, which brings it in at a lower mark than the Incredible Hulk, which was released in two thousand and eight. Now, adjusted for inflation, yeah. the Incredible Hulk does about eighty million opening weekend, and that was the second MCU film before we even knew what an MCU was. Um, you know, there wasn't much word of mouth around it. We didn't know Iron Man was in it. We didn't know it was connected. Um, and we'd had a Hulk movie a couple of years before that didn't do that well either. So there wasn't that much excitement right. there. So that kind of gives you the perspective of where things are. Um, so Definitely. I don't believe the strikes massively would have saved this film. I think, sure, maybe they had $5 million on top of it, but it still comes in as the lowest MCU movie. Yeah. Now, Greg, you're the trailer master. Another thing yeah. I brought up, when I was thinking about this, I don't think the trailers were that strong. No, uh, I agree with you, man. Uh, it, the trailers did not demonstrate the significance of the film. And the last, the final trainer trailer for it that came out the week of, which A, is a massive tonal shift from the other two trailers, and it is not tonally akin to what the actual movie itself is like. And it's kind of odd to me that the trailers just wanted to sell themselves as just a fun movie. Like that's all it is, is fun. When you get to the ending of the movie, both the last scene and the mid credit scene are so integral for the future of the MCU and the direction everything's going to open up the door for I'm not saying they need to spoil it, but the trailers never honed in on the importance of checking out this movie either like it it just kind of like we've said it time and time again like even though i i was i think the last podcast we did i was here with you saying that my hope for this film is that it gets such good word of mouth that it ends up 
racking in good numbers over the coming weeks, even if it underperforms over opening weekend. So I've rooted for the film in spite of the fact that I didn't really think the trailers showed us anything that special or that unique other than, yeah, it's another fun movie, but we know that just another fun comic book movie does not suffice anymore with audiences. We've said this point many, many times. And it is kind of odd to me to see that how important like the end scene is and the mid credit scene is like the significance of that and the trailers to not even clue you in on that. And I think they had like a desperate attempt in the final trailer when they're showing you yeah. like Iron Man and Captain America. And then I think there was some line or text in there about how it's important <laughs> now, but I think they should have led with that in, in some degree, just so people were like, I, th- I think I have to watch this. Not, oh, it's just it's like another entertaining film. Uh, they they kind of played it a little too safe uh, with its marketing uh, in that realm because yes, because I think even Quantum Mania, which uh, we're, you know you're talking about this this movie has the same cinema score as Quantum Mania, the same exact cinema score, and Quantum Mania had uh, a a much better box office opening for for sure had a much better box office opening, better trailers too, and. They also had the actors able to promote the movie so before they were able to promote the film then. And as we saw, though, the movie still s- severely underperformed at the box office. And um, but they the trailer, the movie, at least it's more it's easier to convey because you got Jonathan Majors in there as Kang, that there is an importance to watching this movie for the MCU. And I think the trailers did shy away from that. Uh, too much. I was like, that could have been their saving grace, I think. Yeah, think? that last trailer especially, it seemed like they knew they'd messed up in how they'd marketed this and were yeah. trying as hard as they could to make it seem like this. Like The opening shot of the trailer was like Tony Stark, and then it was like Captain America, and then it had Thanos saying, someone will continue the work. And it's like, that is so misleading, and you could tell that they realized, like, oh, crap, we need to make this look like it's part of the bigger picture and an actual Marvel movie that, that people need to go and see. Um, but that was just completely all over the place. I mean, when they did that, I was like, oh, crap, they they are so desperate at this point because we knew the pre-ticket sales. And I was like, oh, and we'd heard they were coming under the flash as well. It was kind of like, oh, oh no. Oof. What's weird to me, right? Marvel, they clearly know what people are interested in because they put them as post-credit scenes. And it's yeah. kind of like, why not make that movie? If you know you know what people want to see, because you, you constantly tease it at the end of films. So why not make that movie? And I was thinking like uh, not to do like how to fix the Marvels, but I was thinking an interesting way to do things would be to have Darben at the start open up a portal and Monica gets sucked into the X-Men universe and then she's trying to get home from that side, and then you have Kamala and Carol stuck on the other side, and they can form their relationship together where she kind of questions about if she's worshipping the right person, and then you've got those two universes, and that kind of integrates it better. Um, it, it just doesn't, it's just so weird that Marvel constantly, they know what people want, um, but even with the post-credit scene being tied to the X-Men, I don't know if that's necessarily enough to get butts in seats, because we've seen, for example, in the case of Black Adam, you know, post-credit scenes don't tease movies, unfor- uh, don't sell movie tickets, unfortunately. They tease oh. ones coming down the line, but they don't necessarily sell the one that they're attached to. Um, and I just feel we, we've we obviously Professor X appeared in Multiverse of Madness. We know Deadpool's coming with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. 
we kind of are already aware that the X-Men are coming in. Now, if this had came out the yeah. blue, no one had a clue that, you know, the post credit scene was going to be what it was. That word of mouth, I think, would have got more people in. But Definitely. the fact that we've had X-Men build up already, yeah. it's kind of like, all right, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll catch it on streaming or something. Now, catching it on streaming, Greg, that's another thing that I feel is a problem with how Disney have made their movies. And let's be clear, this isn't this bombing isn't a one-off for Disney this year. Disney have had multiple, yeah. multiple bombs, and they've kind of trained their audience to expect stuff on streaming straight away. Yeah, I agree. I like, I mean, they they are even advertising it with these characters who two of, two of which are from streaming shows from WandaVision, like Monica Rambeau from WandaVision, Miss Marvel from Miss Marvel, and then even Nick Fury, hot off of Secret Invasion <laughs> and like Secret Invasion, which was a very much disliked series at the end of the day, even though you and I were in the first half really enjoying it. And then as it went, I think most of the audience was like, uh-uh, not for me. And yeah, so you have that and I think that's just there's so many other there's so many variables working against it. Miss Marvel too, like is as great as she is. I've said it so many times, so like over the past year, so many times that Amon Vellani is one of the best cast actors in all of the MCU. And and one thing that's making me happy right now is there's a lot of people I'm seeing who've never watched Miss Marvel watch this, and on both camps of people who did not like it and did like the Marvels, the common consensus seems to be, but Amon Vellani, she's great. I'm like, thank you for noticing, because she's always been, like, freaking perfect for uh, Miss for Miss Marvel. Uh, I think she's one of the best cast actors. But regardless, the show itself wasn't that big of a series. And they did kind of make it feel like a tall order as well. You know, like... The, <laughs> A big part of the MCU, and we kind of talked about that this might be one of the variables or several variables to why Loki season two was not racking in the numbers as to as what it got for season one. And one of the variables that we were discussing was how there might have been a lot of people feeling like I haven't been keeping up with the MCU, so I might be a little bit lost because there's been so many MCU projects and the Marvels like there's a lot more reasons to go through here. But the Marvels, especially, they were asking you, you got to watch Captain Marvel. So that's at least two hours. Okay, we know most people have already seen that. You got to watch Miss Marvel. That's like six hours of television. You got to watch WandaVision. You, may, you might need a refresher because it's been a while. It's like six hours there. You got to watch Secret Invasion. <laughs> that's like six to more hours there. So you're, you're being asked to watch like 20 hours of stuff to watch this. And that's kind of the ironic part to me. Just on a little side note of how people are like, it's not meant to be, it's just meant to be like fun. It's just meant to be fun. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I can get on board with that. I, I can get on board with just a fun movie. I mean, I remember when I watched Justice League, uh, people actually still applauded opening night when the movie was done. And it, they applauded. And it, even though they completely made it into some wacky fun mess, uh, I, I even I was like, yeah, I still had fun when I when I watched it. So I, I can I can respect it. But they... But the the lead up to this, the, I think they kind of one aspect out of many aspects to why this might have this 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 bombed. I think there is a bit of a daunting ask of, have you been keeping up with all this stuff? Even the movie itself decides to do like an entire recap of Captain Marvel. Whether remember that in the beginning of the film, yeah. Like let's just 
not just give a couple of throwaway lines. Let's do an entire recap of Captain Marvel because it's been that long, you know, and that's that's one element to it. So I think like there is the association yeah. of we've been watching this on streaming. Three of these characters, their stories, the significance of this has been on streaming. Might as well just wait for streaming yeah. for it to come out. And then, you know, there's other stuff. I completely agree. Um, the amount of people who aren't necessarily hardcore fans who are like, oh, do I need to watch this before going to see um, the Marvels? It's like, it's quite a lot of stuff to watch that, isn't it? And I was like, uh, well, the people, they're saying it's kind of standalone. You'll pick it up in the film. But even then, I think they had in their head that they just wouldn't understand it and therefore wouldn't enjoy it. And just saw, like, the amount of people who ask me that a sequel will be coming out of something, I'll go, well, I need to see the first one. And I'll go, uh, you pr- you pro- yeah, you should probably try check it out, but you might get away with not seeing it. But I, th- I know it, I know instantly it's already put them off, the fact they're questioning that they're having to do that, and it just feels like homework. Uh, so I don't think that they, they, they people necessarily felt that this was going to be newcomer-friendly. And the numbers that Ms. Marvel got viewership-wise, you know, the, the fan base wasn't there for people to attach themselves to that character and be excited for this. Sure, all us diehard ones absolutely loved the Ms. Marvel show. I think it's one of the best uh, Disney Plus shows in general, but general audiences didn't watch it en masse so therefore they're not attached to this character um and obviously when we get into you know it's a it's a female-led superhero film greg so there's there's obviously going to be that that crowd out there who chant that it's woke just refuse to see it boycott it that's going to knock your number down as well um you know obviously i think that people should give it a chance but those people are just never going to come back and watch this film no matter what um or if they and if it does badly they're going to rag on it and unfortunately that's just a a a side of every single fan base i see um i still don't feel though that that's enough to tank uh, a film's box office and i realized that this time last year it was the 11th of november Wakanda Forever got released, um, and that did almost near a billion. And if you look at the main characters in that, Shuri, Okoye, you know what I mean? It, that is yeah. a very female-led film as well. Um, Granted, there is also doesn't... the element of you know wanting to see the grievance of Chadwick Boseman. Uh, yeah, true, There's true. like a different element uh, added into the mix there. But Wonder Woman did well, didn't it? Yeah, and well, what was the biggest, I mean, what was the biggest show last year? House of the Dragon. Um, female characters is the main character in that, and after the the recast, um, you've got Emma Darcy who's non-binary playing a woman, and mm-hmm. you know that could easily be something that people could scream woke at and boycott it at, but it, it still the, was the biggest yeah. show last year, and I just don't think that the the people who cry woke are enough to necessarily ding the box office that much. Now it's looking the- at demographics. It's one of the funny things to interject really quick. It's one of the funny things about this one is that even for, because we know there's those channels out there who pretty much they want it to fail. Like for heavy spoilers or real rejects, it could go either way for us. Our audience is not really expecting us. They might hear some things we say, but they're not, they wouldn't be, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's some channels that if they liked it, they would lose their entire audience. Like they, they're expected to hate it so they can milk the videos. Of, of hating it and the funny part about it is <laughs> a lot of them would scream like woke just because there's women in it all the time and, but this movie has also been credited from a lot of those channels that 
Actually, the movie's not preachy or has any like political messaging <laughs> in it. Yeah, at not all. at all. Like, yeah, in fact, it looks it makes its characters look quite bad. I'm looking at you, Captain Genocide. I know what you did on Halle. <laughs> yeah. I know what you were getting up to, killing all those people and starting a civil yeah. war. Um, but speaking of people not liking Captain Marvel, there's, let's be honest, there is a massive hate train for Brie Larson online. Um, oh, yeah. And that has been building since the first one. People just don't like her. Um, and no matter if you type in her name on YouTube, there's probably going to be 10 negative videos come up as the first point. Um, and that's kind of why I feel that I, I feel like Marvel might have responded to that, but not told people, which is why instead of getting Captain Marvel 2, we're just getting the Marvels and they have the, the other side characters and look, rumors are rumors, but apparently from what was said behind the scenes, there was, she had difficulty on set with people because she was no longer the lead. Now, whether that's true, I don't want to say that is, I'm going to say, take that with a pinch of salt. Um, but there are, there is the feeling that Marvel kind of maybe didn't want to take the risk similar to what we're seeing perhaps with Jonathan Majors right now, where the, the internet backlash, they're just worried. And they thought like, oh, let's bring in other characters and kind of make her a second yeah. lead in, in what should be her sequel. Um, I'll, I don't have a problem with Brie Larson. You know, I think it does get overblown what happened. But I can totally see that affecting the box office, especially when, you know, you're trying to, to build up goodwill for something. And there is those people that are just riding yeah. against them um, and just riding against Marvel in general. My next point was going to be that there's a feeling around Marvel that Marvel is bad right now. And we have had things like Love and Thunder, Quantumania, Secret Invasion. And the feeling is, in general, amongst the fan community, that the, the quality isn't there anymore. And we're just getting so many mediocre projects that people are kind of just turned off to it. And they're not necessarily rushing out to see a Marvel movie, especially one that debuts with very low Rotten Tomato scores. That was another thing I, I felt in, impacted it a lot. And to see the headlines of it being like, Captain, uh, the Marvels is rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, that that's just another ding in there when you're already having bad, bad films after bad film. Mm -hmm. And to have another one, people are kind of like, oh, well, Marvel's falling off already. Look at the score. We're, not, we're just not going to yeah. bother. It's fresh now. It, it just, yeah, they just managed made to get it. it up. <laughs> they managed to. Got on the phone and were like, Paul, was send the money in the check. How quickly can you get a Rotten Tomatoes account set up and just say it's fresh? I was like, I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now. Um, but there was also the audience demographic. Now, men are getting blamed for this film failing. They are. If you go on social media, it's like, it's men who are making this yeah. fail. But, right, if you look at the demographics of who went to see the film, it's 65% men, 35% women. So maybe bloody women. Maybe Show they up. made it fail. Yeah, you should show up. Now, I mean, they should. So, yes, <laughs> well, yeah. show up to the Marvel. So what, what I did today was, Greg, I looked at the audience demographics for Marvel in general, and according to the, the highest result on Google, so take that how you will, um, the MCU comic book movies, 79% male, they skew, mm. so 21% women. Now, when your audience is mainly men, it's difficult, I think, to, to market a female-led superhero movie that does appear like it's very female-driven and that there isn't much for men in there. You know, we'll go see it because it's a comic book movie, but in general, I, I, and I've always thought this, I believe the perception of Marvel is that it's a male brand, and I think women, no matter what, if they hear a Marvel movie, will just instantly assume that it's for men. 
I said this last week and I apologize to the women out there who are like, no, I'm a, I'm a woman and I'm a Marvel fan and I have been since I'm a kid. I, I apologize for saying that, but if we're just looking at the audience demographics, the, the majority is men. And yeah. just in the same way that if, if someone said to me, Greg, they're making a romantic comedy, but it's, it's for men, it's all male cast and it's about what men like in romantic comedies. I would still in the back of my head be thinking, I think this might be secretly made for women and they're just trying to trick me into thinking it's for men. And I do believe, like I spoke to my wife about it and she was saying the same things with her friends who, um, they they all went to see Barbie opening night, whereas this, that just weren't interested at all because they didn't think it was for them. Well, you know, it's, it's an, it's an interesting conversation to have about it because on my personal end, I could care less that it's women. Uh, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, I'm, I'm exactly I really, the same, Greg. We're just giving get... reasons for why we think it might have bombed. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just one of the main things, and I know you and I are on the same page about that. I will acknowledge, like I already pointed out, that there are some channels out there who, who just who, who did want it to fail, <laughs> right? They did, and they, I'm not going to say who, but you you can venture a guess, or you could have someone just kind of be like, "Who's Greg talking about?" and then they will tell you. Uh, be spoilers. Heavy spoilers, heavy spoilers, clips channel specifically. Uh, mm. that and and is there sexism out there? Absolutely, like this trailer was met with an obnoxious. The first trailer was met with an obnoxious. Apparently, there's some plugin you can get that I don't have where you can view the dislikes still. And this trailer, the first trailer was met with like an insane amount of dislikes, right? Uh, right away. And, and even though I, I was like, yeah, the trailer looks kind of generic, but it's not. It's not this like disaster that it's getting on, you know, it, it, that was, that's one quality of it. And then, you know, going online and you kind of, pre- it's a little predictable that the, the fear was around there when the first Captain Marvel came out, that if you're a guy and you don't like this movie, you're going to get called sexist. It was, it, 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 it's just a, just the way it goes. Right. And I see it a lot online already when it comes to Marvels, I've gotten my comments about it, even though, I am one of the guys who has been rooting for this film to still actually still do well, even in my non-spoiler review, uh, where I really did not like this movie. The first thing I acknowledge is the three actresses are really great in here, and it is not their fault, and they and I felt they deserved a yeah. better movie, like right away. I don't like think I, we've ever mentioned gender or race in a review yeah. when talking about a film, and uh, you uh, absolutely yeah. yeah, and and the other it's part always character, it, plot, and effects and stuff like that and story it's never never going to be about that for us it's, it's never going to be about that and you see people coming out of in being like yeah uh it's funny how it's it's it seems to be only men who don't like this movie you know and i'm like what a weird thing to like disregard the men who do like it and to disregard the the women who don't like the movie <laughs> you know i've i've seen both uh camps of that and it's not really to do with the fact that it's a female-led thing and i can go through the gambit of the amount of female-led property i mean you just brought barbie and that's a movie that does have political messaging in it it wears it on wears it on sleeve throughout the entire film and while that was a primarily female demographic that showed up movie made over a billion dollars Men, a lot of men seem, I mean, there's one camp of men that really didn't like it, but a lot of men still really liked it. I loved it. 
I thought it was great. I know a lot of other dudes, and that seems to and it got great Rotten Tomato score, great audience score as well. And a lot of men watched the movie, you know. And Grant, and to think that, oh, because it's a superhero film, now it's suddenly all those same men who might have liked Barbie are like, but I don't like this because it's a superhero. <laughs> Will I go? Maybe is there a camp that probably thinks that way? Sure. Uh, I don't know if it's even if it. Yeah, and I think things with like Wonder Woman shows that if the movie's good, that kind of overrides things. Greg, Prey was another example. You know, great coming off the back of a massive franchise. Um, Predator, Predator is a man's franchise. Arnie is number one. Exactly, exactly. And before that film released, there was lots of people crying that it had gone woke. Oh no, they're making it about Native Americans, that's political, having a woman as the Mm -hmm. lead. The movie drops, everyone's like, crap, this is really, really good. (laughs) Exactly, and I think once the movie, if the movie proves people wrong, then it can do it. Wonder Woman is another example, Um, but it just didn't feel like this movie when the things released. Uh, House of the Dragon as well got loads of shit in the lead up to it. That was getting, everyone's, that was getting called woke all the time. It's when this stuff drops that it silences people. And let's be honest, the Marvels didn't bring enough with it to to truly silence people that were going to be its critics. And it just kind of felt like, I don't know, just very surface level stuff. Now, Darben was another issue. I feel that was mm-hmm. the reason that it bombed um, purely in the marketing because, you know, comic book movies these days, you can often sell them on the villains. For example, No Way Home. Um, I was talking about this on Twitter yesterday, actually, how anti-marketing the marketing for No Way Home was. We had two trailers. Um, it was during COVID. The the barely had, you know, Tom Holland and Zendaya were out doing interviews, but it wasn't like Alfred Molina was doing interviews right. all the time. You know, Willem Dafoe right. wasn't out there. <laughs> and in opposite to what normally happens, Andrew Garfield was doing interviews going, Look, I'm not in the movie. Don't go see it because if you go, you'll be disappointed if you think I'm in the movie and you go to see it. So don't go see it because you're going to be disappointed if you think I'm in it. It was the opposite of of marketing. And I think, you know, YouTubers, we were hyping it up quite a lot going, look, we're telling you he's in. We sort of, you know, there was a big online push of people trying to to find out and pick this movie apart that really worked for it. It was very anti-marketing marketing. That's why I was saying the trailers, if the first one even... I don't know what they could have done, actually. I really don't know what the answer is. I'm not the one who puts together a trailer, but I do know that if you get people speculating on the importance of what it might be a game changer for, you know, that conversation helps stir things. That's why WandaVision, this like weird show, female led, by the way, this weird show that, um, was like a riff on sitcoms <laughs> like it's such an odd show but people were just wouldn't stop speculating on what it's gonna set up like one of the stars of that show was theories you know and and yeah and, and like this is something that i don't know if they were afraid of that with not leaning into it because as we also saw with WandaVision, that sometimes uh, fans can be their own worst enemy when it comes to getting carried away with theories and then being disappointed what the outcome actually is. But this would what this was one where it might have been warranted <laughs> what the post credit yeah. scene actually is. So yeah, I think the 
Yeah. I, I think like having the, and that's what Spider-Man No Way Home did to your point was was the speculation yeah, well, on it. Multiverse of Madness as well. They had Professor mm-hmm. X being like, we heard his voice. Well, it's it's that it's that Professor X who speculated over that. <laughs> um but again, back to No Way Home. It, honestly, I was laughing so much thinking how funny it was that one of the main actors that would have sold tickets would have got people so hyped up to see the film was actively out there going, nope, not in it, mate. You're going to be disappointed. Do not come. Do not come to this film. Uh, But that was crazy. But anyway, back to the original point, which was the the villain, Darben. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, No Way Home, what they did was they sold it on the villains that were appearing. They did, they edited Tom Holland, uh, they edited Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield out of the trailers, hid them as much as possible. And what it was sold on was like, oh, Green Goblin's coming back. Dr. Octopus is coming back. You know, Thanos, Infinity War, Endgame, it's like, oh, who's Thanos? He's a massive character in the comics. Yeah. Gore the God Butcher, again, um, for, for Thor, Love and Thunder. The, it's Christian Bale playing him. It's a massive get, and we're excited to see what this is going to be. Dude, Kang yeah. and Quantumania. Exactly. You're yeah. marketing your movies off the villains as well and who the heroes are going to have to face off against. Dar Ben, no one knows who the fuck that is. Yeah. And... It's also a really unclear plot in the movie. The plot's really unclear in yeah. the trailers. Yeah, exactly. Um, Darben was a gender swap character. You know, Zoe Ashton, haven't really seen her in much. Um, she doesn't carry the weight that, you know, the hype that Jonathan Majors did or Christian Bale. Um, and it feels like for the budget they had, they should have really gotten either a big villain from the comics or maybe even get Jude Law back or something. I don't know, like... Get someone back who you can at least attach to. I, I was thinking the supreme intelligence thing. That should have been what the main plot of the film was. Um, that could like Sean Chandler again. He he was speaking about how it feels like there's a Captain Marvel sequel that we didn't see about tackling the supreme intelligence, and they just kind of glossed over that. The supreme intelligence is like such a massive villain in the comics, and comic book fans know that. I know comic book fans, mate, and if I'm like what's your favorite Dar Ben comic? I can see them start thinking, oh crap, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go to the toilet and they're getting their phone out on the way there, you know what I mean? And they come back and go, oh yeah, Captain Marvel as 17 when Dar Ben fights against the Earth Resistance or something. I'm like, all right, okay, yeah, that, that, I can't remember that happening, but well done. Um, So yeah, I don't feel the villain was necessarily gonna sell tickets either. I think the, the actress attached to it, you know, I don't know who that is, to be honest. Before this film, I'd not really heard, and I didn't see anyone hyping them up. It's like, oh, they're going to be in this. And the fact that they're actually like in a relationship with Tom Hiddleston, and they didn't tie that in in some way, and like, I don't know, that was weird that they didn't. I, I get the strikes, and you don't want to push actors and stuff, but yeah, just the the fact that they were, were in a, or in a relationship and to have that and not, you know, no one's really talking about it, it was such a weird thing to do. Um, talking about Tom Hiddleston, Greg would talked about this a lot in lots of different episodes. Releasing it on the same day as Loki was absolutely stupid because who does? Let Let's break down who markets a film, right? The studio market it, then there's the media who market it, and then there's the fans who market it through word of mouth. Now the studio can control what they put out, but you know the secondhand tier there, the media. We only have so much time to cover certain things. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about massive outlets, yourself. You know, we, we can only have a, 
enough bandwidth per day to help promote a project by talking about it. And the fact that they released them both on the same day, it's like, oh, well, I'm kind of burned out on, I'm trying to talk about Loki, but do this as well. And it's it, like, if I didn't have MT, I might not have been able to cover the Marvels until, you know, Friday or Saturday. I think we got the video out on Friday, but I mean, I was rushed off my feet that whole day and it was nonstop. And I know that there's, and that I'm self-employed. So I always just, I get, I start work at 7 a.m., finish 5 p.m. at night, at least. Yeah. There's people who'll be working nine to fives for a, a media company who'll just be like, oh, well, sorry, I didn't get my work done today. You'll put it out Monday. You know, there's a, I, this only just pops into my head right now because you had, if I'm not mistaken, before I go to my point, you said that you watched Loki season two and then you watched, the marvels after right yeah and it yeah. left a bit of taste in my mouth because i had i had something that exceeded my expectations was a perfect send-off for a character and then something that was like what the what the hell was that yeah that singing scene what the hell was that you know the the thing is too is there's a big part of the camp like i understand there's a lot of people who are defending uh defending the marvels and i i even said it on my on the review where i really didn't like this movie that like i can see how people can walk away from this movie and actually have a lot of fun the screening that i went to you know there was definitely the most people are talking to were like i actually had fun watching that um there's there's such a fervor now though of defense for the, for the fun we must fight for the fun um it's <laughs> kind of ironic but anyway the other point i was going to actually say was that I know for a fact, whether anyone listening to this agrees with this or not, I know for a fact that publicists were for these studios, they really, really care vehemently. They think Rotten Tomatoes matters more than trailers. They think it's so important. And that's why you'll even see trailers now. If a movie gets a really high, fresh score, they'll slap that onto their marketing now. Like, we got like a 99% or something, you know, and I remember Mission Impossible was even leading with that. They really give a shit about that. And if, if studios, that's why I think the release strategy is really odd, especially um, because when, when I'm fully aware that studios, their publicists really give a shit about, you know, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, like which one between Loki season two and the Marvels seems more like what, a film analysis type of mindset would be more drawn to, right? Like it's really obvious that they'd be a little bit more drawn to Loki and to release something on the same week that is so antithetical to the type of experience you would get with Loki. It's such an odd thing because you're going to get people. Cause I, I saw that sentiment expressed too. what you just said of, you know, maybe I shouldn't have watched Loki season two before I watched the Marvels because it kind of made it a little harder to, it just makes the flaws shine brighter <laughs> when you just like, I, 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 I do wonder if I had just watched the Marvels, I don't know, like a couple months from now or something versus during this, I, I still would have had my problems with it for sure. Uh, but I don't know if it would have hit me as strong, even though I didn't have the same type of viewing experience as you. I actually, I went to an earlier screening of the Marvels, you know, um, but yeah. Yeah, it was too, it's too much Marvel in one day. It was it's literally too, too much Marvel in one day. And they're two very different and they're not even connected to each other, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, that was very strange. I, I still can't get my head around why they did it. Um, you know, the, uh, conspiracy theories. I've been speaking with my friends and stuff. We're all massive conspiracy theories. No, um, we, we we were saying like, oh well, maybe they knew one was bad and one was good, and they wanted to get as much positive publicity and just kind of brush you under the rug. But I feel that the negative headlines generated by the Marvels has dominated it to the point that no one's really talking about Loki. And I'm kind of trying to steer my conversation back on my channel to being about Loki. But everyone's like, no, how come you're not making more Marvel's videos about how shit it was? And I was like, please, I don't tend to really make massive rants about how shit they are unless they're a two hour long podcast with my friend Greg. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the low Rotten Tomatoes score was another big thing. But even in the build up to that, we did. We we I mean, you got the email on this podcast, I believe, that was talking about when the embargo was mm -hmm. lifting. And it was a late lift. And that kind of showed a lack of confidence. And now we didn't really dig into it that much. But I saw how that picked up a lot of steam online. And people were like, well, they're lifting it late because they know it's crap. And it just kind of showed a lack of confidence. And releasing it on the same day as Loki, that was another thing where it's like, are they doing this because they know it's good? Or this seems more kind of like... It just, it just your imagination can run wild as to why they did that but i know that a lot of people behind the scenes were struggling to get both of the projects done um and it kind of hit a point i'm guessing where yeah people just couldn't do the the word of mouth that they normally would do towards a marvel project because their their efforts are split your efforts are completely yeah. split because you're trying to work on doing a loki video whilst also trying to work on doing a marvel's thing and you want both to be as good as they can but yeah, just seeing that the the low score for it, I just thought I'm gonna go see Marvels later in the day. MT, we were lucky enough to get an early screening, so he could handle it, and I just put my all into Loki, and then went out and watched the Marvels. L little stress free, um, but yeah, just completely opposite experience for me. And then obviously I wasn't coming back and being like, oh, you should go see the Marvels, everyone. I was kind of like, oh, watch Loki this weekend. Now, you know. streaming is obviously a big thing. Um, apparently, there's a report come out said that Disney's lost $387 million on streaming. Uh, so, well done, guys. I'm putting it all into that. But streaming is another big thing. Obviously, you know, movie tickets are so, so expensive. You don't want to waste that money going to a mediocre experience, especially when you can normally wait about a month or two months and it's going to be available to watch in your home as part of something that you already pay for. And I feel like these movies aren't being sold as events and you really have to push them as being major things that people need to go out. You know, being in a Marvel movie these days just doesn't cut it because we've had so many of them at the point. And I really believe that in general, the bubble has burst on this stuff. Um, I think that back in the day when we barely had any superhero content, there was there was a thirst for it, especially when they were good people were desperate to see more but now you've kind of hit a point where they're, they're mid some are good the, the odd one's good but we're just at the point where general audiences have so much superhero content now that they're not going to turn up for anything now your big heroes spider-man I, I was talking about this the other day spider-man can shift comics still can shift movies can shift playstation 5 games can probably shift playstation 5s on top of that with people just buying playstations <laughs> to play that one game um when it comes to the comics, you know, Batman is always going to be a top seller. Every single month for mm -hmm. the past eight years, let's say, Batman's been in the top sales every month of comics. Um, he's still going to sell stuff. But like, I read comics, Greg. I pick up tons of them. 
but I don't pick up every single character and it needs to take a certain one to interest me. Um, and I know there's lots of readers out there. They don't go to the shop and pick up every single thing. I think we're at a point now where there's so many comic book projects that people are becoming like how the comic book buying audience is, yeah. where they're more selective with what they spend their time and money on. They'll see stuff out there, you know, what's out this week? You've got Invincible, Loki, Captain Marvel. That to me is like going down the comic book store and seeing issue of Batman, issue of Spider-Man, issue of an obscure character. You know, I'm going to pick up those first two ones, but that third one is really, really going to have to sell itself to me. And I don't feel like this sold itself to the general audience to the point that it was like a must-see. And I feel like I've got so much comic book content that it's got that point. People are just like, I'll just watch what I'm personally interested in. I'm not going to watch it all. Five Nights at Freddy's, to to the point about the streaming, Five Nights at Freddy's was released with a day, like, you could watch it on Peacock, and you have the option to go to the theaters, and it did better than this movie, (laughs) you know, because it was sold as an event. And um, yeah. while the while the drop and it has a fan was, base and interest, yeah, while the drop was significant, and that movie had shitty Rotten Tomatoes scores, uh, it, it terrible. I really don't subscribe to the idea that it's that the Rotten Tomatoes score is as significant as a lot of publicists really believe it to be. Like, is it a factor? <laughs> is it a variable? A thousand percent, but it is not the end all be all. You know. I think it's a factor when something's not got an established fan base. Yeah. I really do. I think it's, um, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's film, those fans were going out either way. That Rotten Tomatoes score could have been a 0%. They're still, no, yeah. we're down to ride, baby. Um, So, yeah, I, I feel, but in the case of something like the Marvels, maybe when we've had enough of them in a row, it's kind of, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's is a big event for that fan base because, They've not seen it before. They've had Willy's Wonderland and like mm-hmm. the knockoff movies, but we've had loads of Marvel movies. And yeah. that was an, uh, just another thing with the strike when they're saying like, oh, the actors weren't there to sell it. It's like, mate, Marvel is such a big brand name at this point that this should just, it's just well known that it, y- your fan base is there and they're either interested in the heroes or not. Well, they didn't even like, I know the strike had just happened at like Comic-Con time frame, right? But they, yeah, they didn't even like do anything at Comic Con to elevate it. You know, uh, really, this shit just comes down to like trailers. You know, I, I really think I really think it just comes down to like trailers most of the time for for these yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, that's what people tend to consume the most. If you yeah. look, I mean, we can see the views on trailers and stuff, and that is what people consume the most. Yeah, and yeah, it's just kind of wasn't there. I mean, yeah, you. Your Hot Wings video could get a million views, but it's gonna pale in pale in comparison to there's, what a, a big trailer is gonna get view wise. There's so many movies that flop when there's a, when there's a, actors. That, you know, like the the reality is is that for those who really had a good time with this and those who really loved it, not enough people feel that way. That's just the reality of of the situation. You know, I as someone who did not like it, I can also accept the reality that it seems more people still sway towards overall they liked it to really liked it <laughs> you know i would say the majority seem to sway that direction at least from numbers that come in you know it doesn't have like a c cinema score at the end of the day the audience score is fresh at the end of the day the critic score is a 62 percent and not a 59 percent. you know so i i can accept that at the same time that there is a 
that that percentage that does not like it is still a big chunk you know even if it's not the majority it's still a big chunk and it the movie itself has not created a there's a passion behind the film now that seems to be for other reasons other than that movie itself being like an actual great film you know what i mean Uh, that that people are fighting for Uh, but not like the main thing that i hear people say is that it's fun that that's like the main thing that it's it's a fun movie and there's great chemistry with them and there's some good action but a lot of that is like that praise again is that's the generic praise that you give a film you give a comic book movie it's like the generic thing to say is it's fun and there's good action and you know like i was thinking about this the main things that people say with this film is that it's a ridiculous silly fast-paced fun movie you can actually say the same thing about thor ragnarok not love and thunder you can say the same thing about thor ragnarok and it's like, well, well, what's the difference, you know? And I'm like, well, having ingredients and throwing them into a blender does not equate to necessarily a really good recipe. Granted, you know, some people, they just, they really want fast food, <laughs> you know? And then some, but sometimes that lack of quality, uh, that taste does shine through. And I think that was sort of the case with the marbles. Like Thor Ragnarok, while you can still have those same types of adjectives associated with the experience for it, one really did feel like it took its time more, developed its characters, had something that felt special to it. Like there was, there really wasn't a movie like Ragnarok within the MCU, but when, when that came out, like were there shades of it that were from other films? Sure, but there was, there was a voice to it. It was Taika Waititi's voice. When people like Taika Waititi, there was, there was a voice <laughs> to it. <laughs> and it also knew how to have like heartfelt scenes that felt sincere. They, they felt genuine and not just like brushed over. Um, and the story that Ragnarok told, the runtime that it had, that was the runtime that story needed. Where a lot of people, even the ones who are saying like it's really fun, are like, yeah, I think it still could have used a little bit more breathing room. It's still, it's messy, but it's still have fun. And, and like, yeah. there's, there's also an ending to the Marvels that is important, but there's also an important ending to Ragnarok where that really hits, you know, yeah. with the destruction of Asgard. And that, even in that moment, that like, when you think about what happens with Monica Rambeau at the end of this movie, it's kind of akin to Ragnarok on a different scale of just, oh, you're watching this thing evaporate in space, <laughs> you know, uh, and your our main character's watching this loss happen. But Ragnarok, that moment hits you, you know, even though there's a joke there that Korg makes, it still gets you, you know what I mean? Um yeah so yeah like i i do think that it's i don't know man i don't know it's just it's a it's a very fascinating uh well kind of going off that and we'll we'll do this as the last point greg i think people are getting wise to out of theater reactions and just seeing stuff when it's like the marvels is a fun like i'm just gonna come up with the most generic review for it greg that i've seen a thousand times yeah marvels is a fun wacky time with lots of fast-paced thrill rides the cast really shine caught and they tease some great things for what's next i could have tweeted that and got like <laughs> ten thousand likes marvel last movie. week without even seeing the yeah. movie you know what i mean greg <laughs> um and i think people are just getting wise to it now when what i mean what how many reactions that we've seen that have been positive for these films and then as soon as the review embargo yeah. lifts it's like the movie was fucking shit 
Dan, all those twats saying that it's good. Liars, liars. I didn't say it was good. And it's like, but you said it was really fun. Like, yeah, I'm in fun. I didn't mean it was good. Um, And I think people are just getting wise to it and they can kind of see what the difference between a reaction and a review. And I I don't trust early reactions anymore. I absolutely don't trust them at all. And I'm like, what? I don't even see the point in doing the difference between a reaction and a review, to be honest with you, Greg, because I feel like reactions are used to promote the movie. And there's lots of people that go to these premieres who are too, they don't want to rock the boat and say anything that's going to perhaps not get them invited to the next one. I encounter a lot of them in person, man. And uh, I, I don't yeah. like it. I, I, I don't. Like, I saw it. I, mean, I, I don't think any of them are listening to this. But I, like, when I went to the screening of the Marvels, I'm not the kind of guy, if, you're, if you like a movie, that I'm going to, and if I don't like it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue with you about it. I'm, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to accept your opinion. I'm just going to leave you alone. And, um, yeah, and it's just so, it's always so odd. So quantum mania, I saw it with this, that people are just afraid for some reason to be honest i get it like doing a live stream on saturday was not a pleasant experience in a lot of ways um and i was telling you about it i was like man this is making me want to quit because <laughs> so i was just like these no, i watched people. it i genuinely i genuinely watched yeah. it oh appreciate it um but yeah no it's just like the yeah. chat that just keeps coming in you're just like oh man um just, like you just want to be honest <laughs> and you're not even like being like rageful about it you're trying to have like a nuanced discussion (laughs) like the the accusations that are thrown to who you are as a human being suddenly you know over like an opinion about a movie is uh why so i get it i i i the other side of me goes i get it um but at the end of the day i don't think you should sacrifice that your honesty when people look to you for your opinion i don't think you should sacrifice your honest opinion because you're you're afraid of what other people are going to say, yeah, or, or you're, you're trying well, to play to something. Griffin Schiller was some who runs Film Speak. Never done, never done anything like attack to film. Always give a nuanced like review of it. Went into the characters. Never went into like someone's race agenda. And he just came out after, and he put a reaction out saying I didn't like it. And the amount of crap he got, I could totally just see why you would just be like, oh, yeah, fun, wacky movie, great times. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, you, there are going to be that fan base who are just more morons, basically, who cannot take or understand that someone else has a different opinion to them and that yeah. they might not have liked it. And my first tweet after seeing the Marvels was just, maybe some things just aren't for me. And, yeah, that was it. And that's how I felt. It was just kind of like a didn't really enjoy it if you had fun with it that's great um but yeah it's it's kind of i think we've kind of t- i mean we're an hour and 20 into the podcast greg and we're still just talking about but i wanted to be as thorough as possible <laughs> yeah. and, and give the impression no, that it's not people just will still write it off as sexist and stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean of course i will of course i will but we don't we don't do it for those guys i mean those guys I, the amount of people that i have with like you got a message the other day where it's like I've stuck with you for two years on Patreon, but Patreon, after yeah, hearing Patreon your Marvels review, it's mm-hmm. I hate you. And I, it's like, well, if you've if you've been following Greg for two years, you obviously know like the kind of person that he is, and that he gives <laughs> fair reviews on things. And if he doesn't like something, it's not because he hates women. It's just because he just didn't like the movie. If you've been around that long, yeah, and that that's who. Sh- but I just try that. and make the video. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I know there's yeah. a lot of people out there who sit, don't comment on these videos, just watch it and appreciate what we see saying stuff and they might have a different opinion to us but they're not going to lambast us or shout us down for it and the people who do comment i respect it and appreciate it if you if you disagree with me but you come from it i I mean you disagree all the time greg we're not texting each other in the middle of the night going you dickhead you're a piece of shit you're racist um you just have to kind of deal with it and just come at it respectfully guys because what you put out into the world you're often going to get back you cope if you go on the attack with someone they're probably going to either mute you block you or not listen to what you say yeah. ignore you or at the best argue back and it just creates a negative day for you creates a negative day for the person you're arguing with and yeah just a psa uh, but i really do appreciate it if you just tr- just try and be a bit nuanced and, and maybe see that way we are giving reasons here why it might have fallen apart might not have worded them yeah. all as well as we could have you know we're not scripting this but uh yeah we appreciate it on the, on so, the flip side what, to... can, can i just add one last i know we've been going for so long uh the, on the flip side i would say that yeah. you know if if you don't like the movie and you see someone who loves it don't attack them as a person <laughs> don't do don't yeah. do that either <laughs> like I'm not, you know like save I know it we're save it art. and then in yeah. yeah in three months time when they say a movie's good say yeah but you like the marvels that was the funniest <laughs> yeah, thing i it. saw when people <laughs> When people were saying when people were saying that they didn't enjoy the Marvels, the amount of comments I saw that were like, "Yeah, but you thought the Flash was good." Do you not think in three like guys? People call me the futurist because I'm always looking ahead at stuff. I can guarantee you, in three months' time, people will be saying, "You, yeah, but you like the Marvels to you." So just cut it out, mate. You need to think about the future. Um, but the Rebel Moon trailer that released yesterday, I thought, uh, I can't believe it's a Netflix ball. movie, Greg. Yeah, it's really good. No, well, looks what? Yeah, looks wise, it looks really good. Um, Zack Snyder, I don't know how he does it. I don't know what his budget is on on these kind of films, but it doesn't look like a streaming movie. I'll put it that way. It looks like a, an actual big tentpole film. Um, the new Star Wars, I really enjoyed it. We're not. Uh, the thing is, people have been asking me for a breakdown, and it's kind of like. I know nothing about this universe. Um, obviously, it's a brand new IP. I don't. It's not something where I can point at the character and be like, they appeared in the book from 1974. So I just I haven't done a breakdown on it. I think there are people who've done breakdowns on it. I'm sure that they're really good. I know Emergency Awesome's done a couple on it. Um, so he, he probably knows about it, but I just haven't been able to find stuff out. But looking at it, I think it looks brilliant. Um, very excited for it. Yeah. Obviously, I get called as a Snyder fanboy all the time. So... Yeah, I'm a Snyder fanboy, but you like the Marvels, so you scumbag. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed it. Now, the next story, Greg, I feel like this has just been about the Marvels this episode, but uh, so Coyote versus Acme, that mm. was shelled by Warner Brothers. Now, there was a lot of backlash to it, and it's been announced that it can now be brought bought by other distributors. Um, and I think quite a funny joke to do, Greg, would be if us as people across the world unite and we all buy a ticket to see this movie so it makes warner brothers and david zaslav look stupid for shelving it because he was gonna backgirl it he had it backgirled but they weren't releasing it they were gonna get a 30 million dollar tax rebate or something and where they'd get that money for not releasing the film and yet everyone kicked off and they've decided that they're gonna let other people buy it and and sell it as such might drop on netflix I have such a hard time understanding the nuance to the discussion on us. Like, I know there's like, it's a people coming. It's a business, you know, it's, it's, it gets part of running. A business. 
fine yeah i hear all that i'm like but there's also like a billion other variables to why this is the such a dick move to keep doing shit like this um yeah yeah. and it's like you should work this stuff out before throwing hundreds of millions (laughs) of dollars at it if the script comes in that should be like like christopher nolan if you ever pick up any of his blu-rays or anything you'll notice there's not many deleted scenes on any of them across the board and it's because nolan what he does is he gets the script he reads it works out what doesn't need to be there cuts that out and then they go film it and that's why you get oppenheimer for like a three hour long movie for a hundred million dollars whereas the marvels is nearly 300 million dollars and it's a 90 minute movie uh uh, because they reshot so much they change things i I think if you're an exec you get the script realize it like visualize it do that thing with your hands where you like create a tv screen or whatever (laughs) how you do it and kind of visualize it before spending any money and work it out if it's going to be good instead of making the whole movie getting everyone on board and be like uh can we just scrap this and get 30 million back instead but it was so bad greg um that they've just reported this is just breaking news now but it won't be because we'll release this a day later but after new this comes from discussing film after news of wb shelving coyote versus acme broke Several filmmakers instructed their reps to cancel meetings they had on the books of Warner Brothers, and that comes from the Hollywood Reporter, which was reposted by Discussing Film. So basically, filmmakers are getting wise, mate, with Warner Brothers. They're like, well, I could make a movie with them, but there is the chance that they might just bin it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't, Im- yeah, I can't imagine putting two years of my life into something, getting it finished, ready to go. Let's let's. I'm excited, let's do it, and then just be like, ah, oh, but uh, we could get a tax write-off for it, so it's going in the bin. Never going to see the light of day. And I think it's just, yeah, I think the studio have just rubbed too many people the wrong way. Christopher Nolan, so gl- I, as much as I hate Universal, I'm glad Nolan Nelly made a billion dollars um, with them because, yeah, they were dickheads to if him. They just re-release Oppenheimer like a year from now or some shit, you know what I mean? Or like closer to Oscars. It'll yeah. pass it eventually. Yeah, I think I think that if they just keep giving it like a re-release, it'll eventually reach a billion dollars. Because what is it's like yeah, fifty million or something agree. like that? Yeah. Um. Damn. Yeah, I, I mean, it'll make it up in Blu-ray sales or just selling it to a streaming service or something. You know what I mean? Do Universal have a streaming service? Is are they Peacock? They're Peacock. Yeah. Yeah. So they can't really sell it to themselves, but they'll they'll make that fifty million, no problem, doing something else. I keep forgetting Warner Brothers has Barbie, though. They still have the biggest movie of the year. Yeah, by luck. And they wanted to do everything against it. They were like, don't release it. They probably were like, bin it, bin it. Bin it. We'll make us save money. (laughs) Can you imagine? Oh, my God. That'd be nuts. Yeah, but our last story, we've been covering the strikes for months and months and months now. This podcast was actually started because the strikes were coming into place and we were like, well, we're going to get hit with delays. We're going to get hit with weeks of no news. Um, so we just want to do a podcast where we just chat and get people on our side, liking the podcast, and uh, they come to listen to us and not just the stories, which we'll see after this week. <laughs> but yeah, the SAG-AFTRA. Do you want to read it, Greg? Because I've been reading so much. 
and a contract valued at over $1 billion, we have achieved a deal of extraordinary scope that includes above pattern minimum compensation increases, unprecedented provisions for consent and compensation that will protect members from the threat of AI, and for the first time, establishes a streaming participation bonus. Our pension and health caps have been substantially raised, which will bring much needed value to our plans. In addition, the deal includes numerous improvements for multiple categories, including outside compensation, increases for background performers, and critical contract provisions protecting diverse communities. Wait, there's four of these pages? Can I just read the quick breakdown, Paul? My God, there's a lot. Look, here's what they yeah, got. don't read the whole contract out. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought I was going to do. Okay, no, a stream and participation bonus above fatter minimum compensation increases, substantial increases for pension and health caps, pay increase for background actors, contract provisions protecting diverse communities, and major provisions for consent and compensation from AI. That's all I had to read. I didn't have to read all that other crap. Let's, but keep it all in the video, please. We're at the very end for the real listeners. Yeah. We'll get the watch time, bump it up a bit. Bump it up, um, so yeah, that the the big contingent that dragged things out was that the studios basically wanted to have the rights to scan people and once they died, still use their likeness without having to get permission from the family. Sweet. Um, so yeah, so poor Tommy Holland. I was I was thinking he was going to play Spider Man for the next four hundred years because they never need to recast him. This Luke Skywalker and and Book of Boba Fett <laughs> stuff, that technology will get better and better every year, and it'll get to a yeah. point where you don't even need the actors there at all, and it'll be some extra just walking around with dots on his face, and then they'll replace their face with a famous actor that signed their likeness away fifty years ago or something. Um. So that was the big thing they were kind of fighting back on. And yeah, I'm so glad they, they got it because I think that's so soulless of a corporation to to own someone even in their death just to be like, well, we've got another superhero movie of Batman and we're just wheeling out the same actor that we've used for the past 50 years and putting their face on someone else's. Uh, but still the same. But it's still Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, guys. Yeah, like, how do that. we save money? We'll use dead people. <laughs> yeah yeah oh, exactly man. i mean that and you know for the a fact that the person whose face they swapped out they would just uh yeah they would pay them the bare minimum to just walk about the set for the day so yeah it's uh it's i'm good i'm glad that the strikes are over greg we, yeah. i mean the delays haven't impacted us yet that they'll be coming soon thinking into the future but at least stuff can get back on track because it did look like this this might actually drag out to next year. So thank God. Um, Aman Valani, she's got, still got time to go on Hot Wings and oh bump God, that yeah. Marvel's box office up to $45 billion. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, But uh, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Can you um, imagine how wrong we'd be, the... Paul? If they, if they exactly. all started doing press... <laughs> <laughs> then we just watch well, the, the thing box is, office yeah. skyrocket. Like, oh. Whenever we do these videos after an opening weekend where we talk about something that bombed, um, it, people always come and say, look, you've been too negative. The movie's just come out. They've still got time to do it. The reason that uh, we and other media outlets do it, I'm just going to talk to you respectfully, mate, because I'm, I'm going to explain why we actually do it. Um, Obviously, it's to get clicks on YouTube videos because negativity drives clicks and engagement. But on top of that, uh, there's actually these these movies don't really have second weekend legs, and um, they're normally very very front loaded. It's not something like Avatar where because do you remember when Avatar two came out and people were like, oh it's bombed it's bombed it's and I was sitting there going, 
uh, Jimmy Cameron, mate, he ain't that big first weekend. It's normally like the movie's still making money four weeks down the line. Um, so, yeah, the, but comic book movies, you, on the whole, you know, nine times out of ten, it's that second weekend where things drop off and it, it, that's the weekend where it kind of loses the... You'll see, like, movie drops 62%. Um, it's rare that it goes up and it's rare that it's anything less than 45%. So, yeah, first weekends, especially with these films, are very, very, very important because, you know, they're, they're against spoiler culture and they want as many butts in seats so people experience things unspoiled. And to have it be like this, not normally a good sign. So comic book movies in general, they're so front-loaded, you can normally judge the performance by how things do. I remember six months ago, me and Brandon Davis, best mate, friends of the podcast, uh, we did, we did, I did phase zero and we were talking about what we thought the Marvels were going to, was going to do. And we both said 500 million and we got a lot of shit for saying that because we were like, you guys are crazy. That's so low. I would genuinely be surprised if it hit 500 million now. I think we might have actually gave it more money than it's going to make. Yeah. I'd be surprised too. I mean, what is it worldwide? 110 million or something? Yeah, 110, I think. Um, so it's very, very low. And next week, who knows? Um, yeah, it's. I mean, come on, women, go out and see it. And it, yeah. and fanboys, if you know, if you're fighting in this movie's corner, go out and see it again. Marvel movies tend to do pretty well on repeat viewing. So yeah, go and see it. it wasn't for me, but if it was for you, go. Go do it. Go support it. I mean, you saw it twice. The same with so the... you. You're you you're helping out. Exactly. I'm still a Marvel shill. Yeah. Wonder how many people who say I'm being a dickhead didn't see it twice, Greg. <laughs> Stephen King. He did a bloody tweet talking about stuff and how bad it is. And it's like, well, did you see it, Stephen? Nope, didn't see it. It's like, well, yeah, you're part of the he, problem, then, mate. He was uh, upset about the movie's box office failure and the celebration of it, and um. Yeah, like, which well, is fair really enough. I mean, there are people Stephen celebrating King. it. Put, stop writing another exactly. book. Watch, watch the movie. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, obviously, there are going to be people who celebrated failing, but it's because they want to see the movie go. And it's, uh, like, I, personally, I I totally prefer things like Winter Soldier, Civil War, Loki season two, and you know, I would like even if you look at the the comic book movies that do well, though, Greg, like the top ten highest grossing films they are more serious tones and people celebrating it might just you know there might be those sexists out there that hate women there might just be people who are like oh i don't really like the tone that i don't really like the fun wacky stuff that they they're going towards i would rather they go back to that more serious stuff so everything's nuanced greg people who are coming out saying men are to blame they're not treating it with the nuance it deserves they're treating any everything as being black and white and it simply isn't the case and we hope you guys have at least appreciated us trying to unpick every single reason why i'm sure there's other ones out there so if there were some that we missed um please drop it below you know there were some that we gave more weight than others as well there's i'm sure you've got your feelings about it where we should have given attention more to something else please this part of the video belongs to you guys and the comment section is yours and um, we were kind of talking about whether we're gonna start reading out more like comments on the show and mm -hmm. if people have got really really good points we'll start doing that um, don't, we're not going to read out the ones where it's like you're a piece of shit, you shill. Um, so please don't write that. But if you do write it, it's it's totally up to you because we're all about freedom of speech. Um, but yeah, next week might not be able to record something. Marvel, Kevin Feige's not killed us if 
if that happens. But if I'm not here the week after, you know what happened. Please leave a like. Please rate us on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Music. And uh, yeah, thanks, Greg. Any final words? No, man. Just thank you to all who hear us out. Thank you for welcoming me. Thank you for everyone. Uh, I, I, I did two live streams in a row, and I've seen several different people um, who are who are like, "Hey, I found you from the podcast here." So that means oh, a nice. lot. Thank you. Yeah, I, I yeah, like seeing like that comment come in. Yeah, and it's nice seeing you guys actually, you know, the views are going up every week as well. So we, we do we do appreciate it. And uh, thanks a lot, guys. Have Thank a you, good. guys.